Hi, I'm Dr. Sabrina Steerwalt with Everyday Einstein's quick and dirty tips for helping you make sense of science. A student recently asked me, when do you think we'll finally beat the speed of light? Like many, he assumed that in a world where we constantly work to make things bigger, better, faster, from our technology to our athletic performances, that the speed of light was also something we would eventually be able to best. But not everything is a record waiting to be broken. Sometimes the universe pumps the brakes. The speed of light, the fastest moving thing we know of, is 299,792,458 meters per second in a vacuum. That's over 186,000 miles per second. But physicists didn't always know light traveled at a finite speed. In fact, physicists once thought light did not have a speed at all, but rather traveled instantaneously. Naively, this assumption seems reasonable. I don't have to wait for the light to reach my eyes once I flip on the light switch. In the early 1600s, the Dutch scientist Isaac Beekman tried to test the assumed instantaneous nature of light by investigating whether observers from different locations saw the flash from a gunpowder explosion sooner or later. His results were inconclusive for reasons we now understand. His terrestrial distances were too small to measure a difference in arrival time. Around 50 years later, the astronomer Ole Romer noted a difference in the times measured between the eclipses of Jupiter's moons, depending on the position of the Earth. When the Earth was moving away from Jupiter, the downtime between each eclipse, that's when the moon traverses in front of the gas giant planet from our perspective, that time was increased by about seven minutes compared to when Earth was moving toward Jupiter. So Romer suggested that this difference might be due to a difference in light travel times. He measured a value of about 220 million meters per second, which, considering his setup, was really pretty good. In the 1800s, James Clerk Maxwell began to work out the mathematical framework for how electromagnetic radiation, classical optics, and electric circuits work, a framework now known as Maxwell's equations. His work revealed that light was an electromagnetic wave and that electromagnetic waves traveled at a constant speed, the speed of light. Later, in 1905, the constancy of the speed of light became a foundation for Einstein's theory of special relativity. Einstein claimed that space and time may be relative, but the speed of light is constant no matter who is making the observations. Today, there are more modern ways we can measure the speed of light. One popular grade school experiment even does it with chocolate and a microwave. And if you want to try out this experiment in your microwave, check out our website for a link to a video. But a more precise measurement comes from Kerr cell shutters. Essentially, lasers are bounced back and forth using mirrors, and their travel times are precisely measured using cesium clocks. Also, you may have noted that I have referred a few times now to the speed of light in a vacuum. That's because when we discuss the constancy of the speed of light, known simply by the letter C, we mean the speed of light in a vacuum. Since interstellar space is very empty and much like a vacuum, astronomers usually don't have to consider the speed of light in different media. But the speed of light is not constant as it moves from medium to medium. When light enters a denser medium, like from air to glass, 
the speed and wavelength of the light wave decrease while the frequency stays the same. How much light slows down depends on the new medium's index of refraction, n. The index of refraction is determined by the electric and magnetic properties of the medium. For air, n is 1.0003, so pretty close to 1. For ice, n is 1.31, and for diamond, n is 2.417. The speed of light in a medium with an index n is c divided by n, so the higher the n value, the more the speed of light is lowered. Now let's look at why light moves slower through these denser media. It's because more particles get in its way. Each time the light bumps into a particle of the medium, the light gets absorbed, which can cause the particle to vibrate a little, and then the light gets re-emitted. This process causes a time delay in the light's movement, so the more particles there are to get in its way, in other words, the more dense the medium, then the more the light will be slowed down. So we've talked about how the speed of light can effectively be lowered, but can it ever be raised to beat the limit? Some experiments have shown that light pulses can travel faster than the speed of light, if not the light waves themselves. This happens when you have what is called anomalous dispersion, or effectively an index of refraction, that n value, less than 1. Recent experiments have further shown that particles, like rubidium atoms, may be able to exceed the speed of light through a process called quantum tunneling. When quantum tunneling occurs, particles effectively overcome high-energy barriers by shortcutting right through them. This may sound obscure, but you can't tell the story of how the sun shines without quantum tunneling. That means we rely on it every day. The reason particles are able to tunnel their way through a barrier has to do with the uncertainties inherent at quantum, or particle-sized, scales. For example, you can never be precisely sure of a particle's position and momentum at the same time. So a tunneling particle will arrive at its destination faster than a photon or light particle that would have to go around that tunnel. Thus, the particle effectively travels faster than light. And physicists are also testing light speed limit in cases without this trick of quantum tunneling. When something moves at a speed that approaches the speed of light, we call it relativistic, meaning that our normal ways of adding or combining motions don't apply. Instead, we have to apply Einstein's theory of special relativity. Such relativistic particles are observed and monitored by NASA in space and produced in laboratories here on Earth. So how do particles become relativistic? Well, electromagnetic fields will cause charged particles to speed up moving them along in a way that's somewhat like how gravity will tug on a massive object. An extreme example of this here on Earth is how the particle accelerator, known as the Large Hadron Collider, manages to speed up particles to 99.9999896% the speed of light. Collisions of magnetic fields in space that then cause those fields to become entangled result in explosive events that send particles flying out at high speeds. So that's another way particles can become relativistic. Particles can also be accelerated to extremely high speeds when they interact with colliding electromagnetic fields. These interactions happen frequently around the Earth and pose a danger to spacecraft and to our satellites. So NASA has programs to monitor them to keep astronauts safe. 
We didn't start homing in on the precise definition of the speed of light we use today until the 1950s. But even so, much of our fundamental physics knowledge builds on this value. Our definition of a meter, the conversion of energy into mass and back again, E equals mc squared, and of course, our understanding of the particle nature of light. All of this depends on this universal speed limit. Until next time, I'm Dr. Sabrina Steerwalt with Everyday Einstein's quick and dirty tips for helping you make sense of science. Listen and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts.